as a community, First Baptist Belton exists for the purpose of knowing Jesus intimately, serving Jesus passionately, and sharing Jesus globally. Come join us on Sundays at one of our worship services at 8.30 or 11 a.m. and for Bible study at 9.45. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your faith in God. Well, good morning, church. It's good to see you here this morning. I want to, before we pray and enter into our time in the Word, I want to uh, mention to you a few of our mission teams that are out right now and to be in prayer for those. Number one, our, our mission team to Taiwan is heading home and have had a great week as they've uh, been, at, been, been in Taiwan and serving college students there and having gospel conversations with them. So be in prayer for them as they return. Um, our Kenya team is in the middle of their trip, and so be in prayer for them as they're doing a lot of medical mission and, and outreach and things there in Kenya. And lastly, our Moldova team, um, number two, has arrived in Moldova, and they'll begin ESL camp soon. I do want to emphasize about the Moldova camp um, that um, half of them are new to English camp, and so many of them have not heard the gospel and so be in prayer for our team as they engage and um, with them this week and have gospel conversations with them, um, that the Spirit would open up their hearts and that they would hear um, the good news of Jesus. So those are our three teams, one heading home and two out on the field right now. And so please be in prayer for them um, this week. Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together this morning to reflect and to remember and to celebrate the greatest sacrifice for us, and that was through your Son, Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you for willingly laying down your life and shedding your own blood so that we may have life and forgiveness of our sin and purpose. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing us back to the Father. And Holy Spirit, I pray that this morning um, you would convict us, that you would reveal yourself to us, that you would show us Um, where we've fallen short, God, that you would remind us of the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. We pray for our mission teams this morning as one is returning home and two continue to be on the field and to work. And Lord, I pray that they would have um, a safe trip. Lord, I pray that they would also have wonderful gospel conversations as they engage with people who have never heard Lord, I pray that your spirit would um, open hearts. I pray that the seeds would be planted and watered. And God, I pray that you would make them grow. And so, Lord, we enter into this time to um, in your word. And I pray that we would not just receive more information, but God, by your spirit, we would be transformed. And it's in your wonderful name we pray. Amen. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we'll be there in just a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Each time we participate in the Lord's Supper, as we will here in just a moment, we have the opportunity to look to gaze, to fix our eyes, to gaze on the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. For example, when you take the Lord's Supper, you look backwards and remember 
God's past deliverance of you in Christ. You look upwards to receive the blessing of God's new covenant in Christ. Not only that, taking these elements, you, it, you have the opportunity to look around at those people that God has given you in Christ, your brothers and sisters. And as you know, it's also an opportunity to look forward in expectation for Christ's final return. In our passage today in 1 Corinthians, Paul provides us one more look. And it's a look within. It's to consider who we are in Christ. So in addition to looking backward, upward, around, and forward, Paul will challenge us to look within. Now I know how introspective some of us are in this room. And sometimes that's a strength because we we want to take sin seriously because God takes sin seriously. At other times, that introspection leaves some of us spiraling into patterns of perfectionism or performance, all the while ignoring what God has achieved for us in Christ. And for some of us, that self-examination can become an end and not a reason to cast ourselves on the mercies of Christ. Paul says in the text that we must participate in the supper in a worthy manner, but oftentimes we might interpret that to mean that we must make ourselves worthy people. There's a problem with that. We're not worthy. We're only worthy because of Christ. So we can't come to the table and sit here and consider and ask ourselves, have I repented enough? Did I confess all of my sins? And now if I have, now I'm worthy to receive this. See, that's the problem. Taking the supper seriously isn't a problem. Failing to see the gospel of forgiveness proclaimed through the supper is the problem. So what I want to do this morning is answer, how should we participate in the Lord's Supper by looking within? If you look back at chapter 10 for just a moment in verse 16 and 17, it'll give us a little context for where we'll be in chapter 11. It'll shape our understanding of the problem that Paul addresses in chapter 11. Look at verse 16 with me of chapter 10. Paul writes, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break. Is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one bread. So Paul is saying here, when we, when, when we eat the bread, we picture what the one bread signifies. Christ's body was given for all. For all. His, his death makes us one people. And this is one thing that we all have in common. No matter what um, our different loyalties, where our loyalties may lie, our hobbies, our political ideologies, our economic status, we all have one thing in common. And that is our need for a Savior. The Lord's Supper is a meal where the many are made one in Christ. At least it's supposed to be. 
This is not happening in the church in Corinth. If you look back at chapter 11 with me, we'll begin reading in verse 17. Paul is going to paint a picture here. In our first couple of verses, 17 through 22, he's going to um, rebuke those in Corinth. Read with me in verse 17. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worst. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. So here's the problem. You know this. There's, there's some rich folks in the church that are despising the poor folk in the church. And they're doing it by stuffing their faces while the poor go hungry at the meal. Now, the Lord's Supper was celebrated in conjunction with a larger meal, much like the Last Supper was. In this case, though, some people in the church are wrecking the design of the Lord's Supper. Now, remember, in chapter 10, verse 17, the Lord's Supper is what? It's where the many become one because of Christ. Now, here in chapter 11, Paul rebukes them because some are dividing the many. It's so bad that Paul says it's not even the Lord's Supper that you eat. They've so perverted what the supper signifies that their actions turn it into their own meal. So Paul makes this rebuke of them. He tells them you're perverting what the Lord's Supper is all about. Now look at verse 23 with me. After he rebukes them, he reminds them Here's what the Lord's Supper signifies. Here's the purpose, the meaning of what the Lord's Supper proclaims. Verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, oftentimes when we hear these words, we don't hear them as um, Paul making an argument against the rebuke that he just made to the Corinthian people. We usually hear this section read as we're taking the Lord's Supper, which we will do here in just a moment. But this isn't Paul's pastoral handbook of what to say before the Lord's Supper. Paul is making an argument. Paul is telling them, here's what the Lord's Supper is about. Here's what it portrays. Here's what it signifies. So what's the argument? The argument is that if they understood rightly, they'd recall that the Lord's Supper proclaims the death of Jesus. 
How does it proclaim the death of Jesus? Number one, it proclaims that Christ willingly laid down his life. The text tells us that on the night when he was betrayed, Jesus instituted the supper on the night he was betrayed. Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. And he didn't gather a bunch of strong men around him to protect him from that. He willingly laid down his life. He willingly did it. Secondly, the Lord's Supper proclaims that Christ gave his body for us. This means that he became our willing substitute. He was the substitution for the curse that we could not bear. He was the sacrifice for the death we could not die. He was the atonement for the sins that we could not remove. Scriptures tell us he was the propitiation for the punishment that we could not satisfy. He gave his body up for us. Thirdly, the Lord's Supper proclaims that Jesus' blood established the new covenant. Jesus' blood not only creates a new people, it binds us together as one people under a new covenant with God. And so Paul here is saying this. Paul is saying the supper proclaims the proclaims Christ's willing sacrifice for the good of others to bring them under the new covenant in union with himself as one people. Let me repeat that. The supper proclaims Christ's willing self-sacrifice for the good of others to bring them under the new covenant in union with himself as one people. And so we must ask, do the actions of these Corinthians align with what the Lord's Supper proclaims? The answer is no. So Paul's argument is that the behavior of those welcomed to the supper must exemplify the Lord of that supper. Jesus humbled himself. He served others. He gave himself up. He looked for others before himself. And so the behavior of those who eat at the supper must align with the meaning of the supper. So, if the meaning is the many become one, you can't show up despising some of the many. If the meaning is you are freed from slavery to idols, you can't show up tight-fisted with your idols. If the meaning is laying down your life to raise others up, you can't show up putting down others to exalt yourself. Why? Because that's not what Jesus did. And the Lord's Supper portrays who Jesus was and what he did. So it's as if some of these Corinthian people were coming and showing up to the supper wearing Judas's jersey instead of Jesus's. And to defile the supper by dividing the body is to join the enemy who conspires against the enemy, it conspires against the Messiah and his kingdom. And so Paul goes on and he says, here's what the Lord's Supper is all about. It portrays, it signifies, it's a picture of what Jesus did and who he was. Well, he doesn't leave them hanging there. In verse 27, you can see that he'll help them. He gives them a warning. 
Verse 27, he says, whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. This is an alarming verse. In response to what I've rebuked you in and in response to what the Lord's Supper truly signifies, if you take this in an unworthy manner, you are guilty. That's an alarming verse. To eat and drink in an unworthy manner is to eat and drink with an attitude and behavior that lies about the gospel. They are guilty for despising what Christ's death accomplished for them. And then our focal passage this morning in verse 28. How should they respond to this? What should they do? Paul tells them to look within. Look at verse 28. Let a person examine himself then. In response to what you're doing, and in response to what the Lord's Supper truly signifies and portrays about Christ and His sacrifice on the cross, and in order that you don't take this in an unworthy manner, examine yourself. Look within. And so eat the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. So how is a genuine believer to respond to this? Paul tells them, a genuine believer humbles himself before the Lord and seeks to understand himself in light of the death of Christ. So let me give you just real quickly... A few things to look within. Just just a few to consider this morning as you come to the table. As you come to the table this morning, look within and see how Christ's death exposes you before God. How Christ's death exposes you before God. None of us in this room are worthy to come to the table. We can't come to the table boasting and patting ourselves on the back thinking that we are worth it or deserve it. The Scriptures tell us that we are bankrupt, that we're defiant to the core. In ourselves, there's nothing to lift God's smile on us. No worldly status, social class, ethnic flair, noble deed can make up for our filth. And when we examine ourselves in this light, we see we have nothing to boast in or to brag about or to shove in the face of others. We're all equal. We're all needy. We all need Jesus. We're truly without hope apart from Christ. And so a look within reveals that we're unworthy and that it's only because of Jesus that we're invited to the table in the first place. As you come to the table this morning, look within and see how Christ's death rescues you and brings you to God. Christ's death saved you to belong to God. 
His death not only exposes us as sinners, it also proclaims Christ for the Savior that He really is. His body was given for us. And partaking in the supper in a worthy manner does not depend on the worthiness of the person taking the supper, but the worthiness of the one the supper proclaims, Jesus Christ. He alone is worthy to sit at the table. And it is only through our union with Him that we find a place at the table as well. As you take the elements this morning, consider that Christ has made complete provision for all of your sin. Not some of it. Not only the bad ones. They're all bad. He has made complete provision for all of your sins. And a look within reveals that Jesus' death is sufficient. It's sufficient. I don't know if you're like me. Some of you may be. And I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'll just raise my hand in this. But there's times in my walk with Jesus where I've tried to perform. As if he's going to love me more. I don't know if you've ever been like that. His his death is sufficient. You can't do the dance. All you're going to do is get tired. You are fully loved and fully accepted in Jesus. And it's enough. So look within reveals that Jesus' death is sufficient and brings you into fellowship with God. I would encourage you as you come to the table, look within and see how Christ's death bonds us together. It bonds us together. The Lord's Supper is a meal that shapes the community by what we all share together, namely Jesus Christ. He is our foundation. He is the head of the church. We are His bride. We're a family. We're brothers and sisters. And so I encourage you this morning before we come to the table that if there's an issue that you have with another brother or sister, make it right. Make it right. Maybe with your spouse. Or someone else within the church. I plead with you, make it right. We're one body. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And a, and a look within in light of Jesus' death should remind us that we are in fact one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Finally, as you come to the table, look within and see how Christ's death leads you to love others. It leads you to love others. If you look at verse 33 in chapter 11, Paul concludes and he says, So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. That is, welcome one another, care for one another, receive one another, grant each other proper fellowship at the meal, put the interest of others above yourself. And a look within helps us see the cross and its significance not only for us, but for each other. Jesus didn't just die for you. He died for all of us. 
And a look within helps us see that. And it also helps us grow in our love for others. Jesus said that if you love one another, the world will know that you are my disciples. If, if you truly love one another, the world will see and they'll know that you're my disciples. And as you come to the table this morning, see how Christ's death leads you to love each other. Now, I want to caution us here. Because self-examination should always be in relation to Christ. When Paul says, let a person examine himself, he's not saying we do this as an end in itself. He's saying we do this in relation to Christ to determine whether we recognize what our share in Christ truly means. He says in verse 29, are we discerning the body rightly? This means do we truly grasp what the body of Christ given for us means both vertically with God and horizontally with others? So Paul's not trying to make a point here to create widespread refrain from the Lord's Supper. No, Paul is is trying to emphasize the point of widespread repentance and confession. Let a person examine himself and so eat. So how do we come to the Lord's Supper? We come looking within, aligning ourselves, aligning our understanding and conduct with all that Christ's death implies for us and for the rest of the church. I want to conclude with what one pastor said in regard to this passage. I love his words. I wish I could talk like this. He said it this way. The scriptures are not barring any who have ever danced with the devil. We all have. You simply cannot come to the table still holding the devil's hand. As long as you are repentant, come. Be reminded of the cost of your sin Hate it afresh and be reminded that your Savior has paid the debt. Be reminded of the grace of God that is greater than your sin. Be humbled anew by grace which is staggeringly beyond what you could expect, ask, or think. Allow the truth of free grace to melt your heart and cause you to long all the more for holiness. This is what we come to the table for. That Christ has paid the debt. He has shed his blood. For you and for me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we come to this time of invitation. There might be one or two in this room that have never responded to the good news. That you have paid the price. That you love them so much that you laid down your life on the cross for them. So God, I pray that in these moments you would convict them and you would show them their, their need for you. Lord, others of us in this room, we just need to pause for a moment and look within.
and examine ourselves and ask your spirit to convict us and to show us where our life is not aligning with the gospel. God, I pray that during this time of response, we would listen to your spirit. That we would be still before you. That we would focus our attention and our heart's affections on who you are and what you've accomplished for us on the cross. And it's in your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Sing our song of invitation. I'm down here at the front. The altar's open. Let's respond to what the Spirit leads us to do this morning. First Baptist Belton is relocating. To learn more, to give, and to stay up to date on the progress, visit www.faithfulfuture.net.